podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life, and I have another special guest on the podcast today. Would you uh, introduce yourself? This is Amanda Dean. Hey, hey. <laughs> welcome back, Amanda Dean, uh, my glorious wife to this podcast uh, she is my glory, as the Bible says, and um, uh, she's back after a lot of positive reviews from last time, babe. So no mm-hmm. matter how nervous you were, you were still still well-received and well-loved. So welcome mm-hmm. back. Thank you. Well, we are um, going to do a couple podcasts. The first one is going to be in response to the recent parenting conference that we hosted here at Sacred City. It was a uh, great Um, Friday night, Saturday morning spent focused on how to be better parents, how to be more Christ-centered parents, how to, um, you know, what, what does the covenant have to say for parents? What, what promises does God make in wanting to save our children? And then the third day we got into, um, it was my, my talk and it was specifically specifics on creating a joyful garden in your home, basically an enjoyable home. And then out of that joy and that um, blessed, that blessedness, basically, I said the heart of parenting is is blessing. That you create this house of blessing, and then in the midst of that house of blessing, you're going to have to prune some weeds. You're going to have to do some discipline, and so discipline is meant to be done inside that context of of blessing. <clears throat> and enjoyed that talk, and then got a lot of questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. And people were, they needed to leave to go get babysitters and stuff because we were running over time because the other guys went long, not because I went long. No, I'm just joking. Uh, So you posted on Church Center and asked the, um, ask them if they had any follow-up questions and we got quite a few, Mm -hmm. right? So thank you for coming back on. The first thing we're going to do, and you've kind of punted this one to me because this is a more Mm -hmm. um, contextual and scriptural um, exegetical question, let's just say that, mm-hmm. was we had a parent post about, um, well, they posted a link to flourishing homes and families. And I'm just going to say right, in that, right now, a website or a Facebook group I do not recommend and will not recommend. Um, I think this is part of the um, quote unquote gentle parenting movement. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I am right about that. Did yeah, that yeah, that's right. I didn't. I'm not super familiar with it, but I did read up on that Facebook group a little bit. Um, it is gentle parenting movement with a biblical viewpoint. Oh, they're they're okay, using yeah. the Bible um, to yeah. endorse it. Okay. Well, let's uh, get into some. So one of so one of our members um, asked very specifically, and I I like what they said. They said. Um, are these sources listed here proper hermeneutics of the text or are they progressive interpretations? Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the person who asked this question, they're already, they're already uh, sensing where we're going to go and they're already, I think they already know the, the, the answer that we're going to give here. Yeah, and the specific mm-hmm. texts that, that are referred to there are when the Bible, when the Proverbs talk about the rod um, and how that is... Let's just go that, into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... it's <laughs> So they say this, the Hebrew word that is usually translated, is that the first one? Yeah. Child in the rod verses is not, not air. 
In later, right away, in later Hebrew usage and in its contemporary use, ne'ar is equivalent to the word teenager. Okay, first off, folks, do you hear the problem there? In later Hebrew uses and its current use. Well, who cares how it's currently used or later Hebrew? What, was, what did it mean when it originally was written? That's what we should say. What did the original author have in mind? Not what later Hebrew scholars said or not what current Hebrew scholars say. Mm-hmm. We don't care about that. So I looked up Na'er in my Hebrew, my uh, uh, Hebrew to English interlinear dictionary, and it's very easy. So they say Na'er means, let me just say it, Na'er means um, child, but it, it's equivalent to the word teenager, which is interesting in that this is almost entirely opposite, blah, 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 blah. So they're saying it means teenager, and they're mm-hmm. going to later on even say slave. And so, so this, what they're basically saying is the, the Bible says, fathers, you should hit your children with rods. You should spank your adult children or teenage children or older children with rods. Well, that's quite honestly, that's ridiculous. When I look it up, Na'er, in my Hebrew to English interlinear, it says this, lad, adolescent, young man. Then when you look up, when it says the sense, a child that is young, Mm. a boy, it Mm. means a child that is young. Mm -hmm. That's the the simple interpretation that's been interpreted that way for literally thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, so this is why she's like, is it a progressive hermeneutic? Yes. The answer Mm. is yes. Oh, later scholars say, oh, what they, what they, what they say today. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't care what they say today. That's progressivism thinking what, that we know better now today than they knew back then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, the next thing they bring up is, um, oh, and she said, and they say this in the, in the post, an heir is not a child who is in his father's house and under his father's discipline. Rather, he's a young man who is entering into the larger world or he is servitude. So you're saying fathers were supposed to to spank their adult children. <laughs> That's the you're saying the Bible teaches that ch- children are supposed to spank their adult children. Right. This is literally making the Bible ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Pro- progressives are just ridiculous in, in in the way they interpret scripture. So a heir is not a child who's in his father's house. There is no historical evidence that this has ever been the case. There is no exegetical uh um exegetical information that that could prove this ever be the case. Having a father spank his son who doesn't live in his own home, Mm -hmm. this is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So they just make the statement out of thin air as if they've proven their their point. They don't quote a scholar, they just name it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then, oh, understanding the ancient color and the color the culture and the way they understand they are helps us to clarify and rightly divide these verses. No, it makes the verse incoherable or incomprehensible, incoherent, and it proves your own point that you don't want to spank your child. Mm -hmm. It's actually uh, ridiculous. And then they say this, well, what about Proverbs 13.24? Proverbs 13.24 uses the specific Hebrew word ben, which does mean small child. Mm -hmm. And they say this, it is literally the only verse in the Bible that advocates a human father physically punishing his son. Okay, so? You really only need one. <laughs> How many? That's a great question, babe. How many verses do you need? Mm-hmm. How many verses do you need? Because we only have, if you, don't, if you don't count Jesus celebrating the Lord's Supper with his disciples in the Gospels, uh, we only have two references to the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Well, does that, in, does that represent its importance in the life of a believer? No. If, if, my, you know, if I had one verse that said, thou shalt not have blue hair, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't need another verse. Mm-hmm. It's at, so the Bible does, you know, Nayar never means son. Well, except in this one spot, but it's the only one. Uh, this, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. It, it kind of frustrates me. Um, you're basing your whole theology on a single verse. When it's, when it's a verse that's clear, you, you can, mm-hmm. you can, but yeah. it, we're not, we, we believe all the other verses are saying the same thing that this one verse said, right? <clears throat> now, so this is the, I, I call this the only one verse fallacy. Like, you know, it, it's just, well, there, it's, you know what? I'll tell you. Homosexuals use, this is why it's progressive. Homosexuals use the same thing. Oh, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it must not have been important. I know he said marriage is between one man and one woman, right? Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the only type of marriage. And Jesus condemns all kind of sexual morality. And that's included. So if you buy into this kind of show me the verse, I need more than one verse, Mm -hmm. then you can't justify a lot of different things in in scripture. So it's just ridiculous. And then lastly, they say that the rod, it says, uh, the rod, let me see a word it says. Uh, da, 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 da. Basically, they say the rod is, um, it's got to be big. It's got to be big enough to be a walking stick. If it's not big enough to be a walking stick, it's not a rod. And this is just another ridiculous, stinking argument based on no exegetical research whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I Doesn't it also say that the rod was intended for servants or slaves to inflict severe punishment yeah, or death? To beat them on their back. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh. that, and it still is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still, that's a punishment. If you break certain commandments, you break certain laws. Yeah. Then you should receive some kind of physical punishment. Like mm-hmm. that's still there. Um, but that's not what it's talking about right. when it's talking about dis- disciplining your child. Right. The rod there, um, the, the Hebrew word, I looked it up again, it literally means, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the Hebrew word means stick or rod <laughs> in the sense of, quote, a long, thin implement made of metal or wood. Now, listen, think measuring rod here. Mm-hmm. Like, like ruler size. Like rulers. Like, mm-hmm. like we've used, like you would use a rod to measure things. Mm-hmm. So many people would have rods. It's not just a shepherd's staff or things like that. It, but it, you would have a, a, a measuring utensil of some kind to be able to measure out different different things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so it can, it can, you know, the instrument itself is not um, what's constraining our use of discipline. The whole point is that it's, again, it's meant to be done in a context of love, a context of self-control, and yet it's meant to be a thin, I'll say a long, thin implement made for metal or wood. Or, and I would add plastic. They didn't mm-hmm. have plastic mm-hmm. back then. So we use kind of like a spatula type thing. It's meant to infl- inflict a little bit of pain to the backside, but not leave any marks, not do any damage. It's not, you know, th- these types of things. So this shows us um, just simple exegesis, simple hermeneutics. You go to the text and these people make a lot of claims of what the, you know, what they claim the Bible really doesn't say. Anytime you hear somebody say something to the equivalent equivalent of, we've misinterpreted this verse for thousands of years Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden we know what it really means, Mm -hmm. you should be wary. That's progressive interpretation. That's progressive hermeneutics that you should be concerned about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Get yourself a Greek or a Hebrew 
to English interlinear dictionary, or you can have Bible software that can do it. Get yourself a Greek to English interlinear dictionary, or I have Logos Bible software that can do it for me. And you can check multiple sources and it can tell you very specifically what it does and what it, what it, the ways it has been interpreted and the way it has been interpreted. And this interpretation is, is a person, like you said, wanting to take a modern invention, a modern technique called gentle parenting, mm-hmm. and then find it, go back and find it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That is called eisegesis. When you have a conclusion and you want to go find justification for it in the scriptures, uh, you're always in a dangerous position of doing that. And just... A quick, some quick research and some quick um, comments on gentle parenting itself. Gentle parenting ultimately makes a child's feelings the center of the home. Mm-hmm. It is very dangerous, and it creates both miserable children and even more miserable, miserable, miserable parents, because a child is cannot is not in control of its emotions mm-hmm. and its emotions are in control of them and so if you give in if you let a child's emotions dictate how you discipline that like you're trying to talk it out constantly you're trying to convince them that your way is the better way or God's way is the better way and you're trying to how do you feel they don't know they don't even know how they feel they're just very upset because they're not getting their way. Mm-hmm. They don't know if it's shame or guilt or fear or right. anger. And it's a parent's job to give them that language. And you're mm-hmm. meant to do that in the disciplinary process. But you have to, that, that, those emotions are dragons mm-hmm. that those children have to learn how to control. And one of the ways we teach them to control them is through physical discipline, mm-hmm. is through spanking, right? That is not okay. And they, they begin to connect what happened to their rear end to the way they spoke to their mother mm-hmm. or the temper tantrum they threw. And they, they, this has literally been done for thousands of years in cultures all across the world, yeah. right? And, uh, and these children learn they, they must control their emotions. Now, this, if, if, if this kind of gentle parenting there's all kind of horror stories online. It creates miserable parents, miserable teachers, miserable friends mm. who have to interact with those kids who are raised that way. It creates wimps, <laughs> whiners, and spoiled brats. Mm-hmm. They are self-indulgent and emotionally manipulative children who expect to be the center of the home, classroom, church, team, and eventually the workplace. Mm-hmm. So they want the world to conform to their emotions yep. rather than conforming their emotions to wisdom, conforming their emotions to the word of God, to, to obedience. Mm-hmm. All right. They ultimately seek to control their environments, any environment they're in. Now I've coached kids like this. I've seen kids. I mean, there's just, I've had a lot of experience. Um, this, this is a, a kind of a phenomenon right now in, in the corporate world where kids that have been raised in this way are getting into the corporate world and they can't control their emotions and they expect everyone else to tiptoe around their emotions, um, everything kind of revolves around them and their feelings. And it, what's interesting is C.S. Lewis warned of this modern notion a long time ago when he said this quote, and it's kind of a kind of a little bit of a longer uh, quote, but he says, there is something which unites magic and applied science. That's technology, he means, the use of technology, while separating them from the wisdom of early ages. For the wise men of old the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality. So the wisdom of the ages said there's ultimate reality out there 
and your job is to conform your soul to it. So uh, order your loves, mm -hmm. order your passions, right, to reality. And this is what Lewis says. For the modern, oh no, I'm sorry, self, to, sub, to objective reality, and the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue, mm. okay? For the modern, the cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man, and the solution is a technique. So this is how I feel. I want my parents to treat me this way. I want my boss to treat me this way. I want society to treat me this way, my teachers to treat me this way. And this is a completely modern problem, and what we're trying to do is get a society to recognize and order itself according to our disordered passions, our self-centeredness, our softness, our weakness, our lack of self-control, lack of discipline. And it, it's dangerous. And the, the Bible mm -hmm. specifically says that the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Mm -hmm. So the rod is meant to drive that foolishness from our child. The rod is meant to conform our son's soul to reality. Mm -hmm. Son, if you behave like this, it will not go well for you. You're getting immediate feedback. You're not psychologizing your child and talking about how they felt and what feeling led them to do this. And that's one, exhausting. That's two, mm -hmm. ridiculous. Those, mm -hmm. The children literally don't know why they're doing it. Sin is making them right, do it. Right. They don't know that it's the dragon mm -hmm. inside them that's making them do it, right? And so you need, to, you need to whoop them. They need to connect it. Like, I cannot listen to the dragon. I cannot listen to my feelings. I must change. I must conform my soul to... The, the way God built the world, which mm -hmm. is children, obey your parents so it will go well for you. So again, I'll quote a couple more scriptures. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, uh, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 13, 24, and then Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will be a delight to your heart. Mm -hmm. When you spank a child and you do it right, he will be a delight to your, your heart. He will be a delight to his teachers. He will be a delight to his coaches. He'll be a delight to his pastors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So... Thank you for the question on gentle parenting. Mm -hmm. um, you were you you sniffed it out. You 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 did recognize that. Yep, it's progressive hermeneutics, and it should be rejected. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, thank and you for I that will question. add. I will add just one more little thing to that. I think that when you have a knee jerk reaction to the idea of spanking, and you immediately think, "Oh, that's too aggressive. That's abusive. That's that that isn't about the kid. That's about you unleashing your anger on your child." Then then yeah, that's, that is wrong. That is sinful. That is right. not how you're supposed to spank a child. It should be done in, it must be done in a spirit of gentleness and self-control and intense love for your child. So yep. if you think that aggression or abuse is, is the only option when it comes to spanking, it's that, that is a sinful. Yeah. We're not talking about beating. We're not talking about spanking and anger. So if you want to go back, you can listen uh, on our sacred city podcast we've posted the parenting conference. And so we had some specific steps in there. I'm not going to replay them all, but again, it's done in a context of love. It's done in complete control, no anger, um, not lashing out, not yanking, not being too aggressive. The child has to submit himself, lay over your knee, um, things like this. You know, it's done in, in that kind of spirit. Um, and if I'm angry, then you discipline, mm -hmm. right? Right, right? And and if you you get angry, then I discipline, mm -hmm. right? That's that's the way it's it's done. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the, uh, whatever it was, 10 minute pitch on, uh, maybe it was longer than that, 15 <laughs> minutes, I have no idea, on gentle parenting and the progressive hermeneutics used to justify 
um, that approach. Mm-hmm. What do we have? Uh, what's some other right, questions? Here's we got? another question. So when is it appropriate to increase the pain of a spanking? Like using a paddle instead of just a hand or transitioning to a bare bottom or over clothes away from the diaper, etc. Okay. Uh, great question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tackle it first? You want me to yeah, tackle it? Yeah, I mean, first? I think the my first re- response, just simple answer, is when it stops working. When your current technique stops working, then you need to increase the pain. You need to change your method a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, if you give your toddler a swat on the diaper and they just run away and laugh and do the same thing 10 more times. Which is what Essie did last night to me. (laughs) Yes. Clearly, clearly it's not working anymore. So you do need to change the method at that point. And I think, you know, just progressively, okay, this isn't working anymore. We need to switch it up. We need to, Mm -hmm. you know, it needs to be a little bit more painful. And then as they get older, it sort of uh, flips a little bit because they want the spanking. They yeah. don't want their phone taken away. They right, want, right. you know, so then you have to change your methods again at yeah. that point. Um, I would add, I think you need to switch to a paddle pretty quickly because one, and you, and, and you should, you, you will know this as soon as it hurts your hand, switch to the paddle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I actually don't like, you know, we swat on the, we swat on the diaper mm-hmm. and, and, but, and, and that's usually the, the, we call it the immediate uh, reactive discipline. Yeah, that doesn't last too long. That though. doesn't last too long. But then once it's like taking them away and getting discipline, we don't, I don't, we don't use the hand yeah. very often at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't use the hand at all. We use a different, we use an imp, some kind of implement that would, and for us, it's a, it's a little kind of like a, a, a plastic and rubber spatula mm-hmm. that, that seems to work well. And, um, what it might mean is me using that spatula over a diaper, right? right? We ne- we never do bare bottom when it comes to mm-hmm. like the spatula or anything like that. Or, or or as our kids get older, because one we believe in modesty and we don't we don't want to shame our children and we mm-hmm. want to have that weird embarrassment of them having to pull their pants down or anything yeah. like that. So uh, now I've had to I've had to. Uh, have children remove layers. <laughs> they know it's coming and they go put their younger siblings underwear on and diapers on. And yeah. Or older siblings. And up. then they have layers upon layers. So I've had to do that before. Um, but we don't want to shame them or embarrass them in any sense. Yeah. Um, so it, it usually is, you know, over top of their shorts or over mm-hmm. top of their pants that, uh, but I just have an implement and, and, and flick my wrist a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings about, enough pain that usually causes tears and brings about repentance. And, and then we can continue with the process that would, uh, that's restoring full fellowship into the family, full fellowship into relationship with one another and, um, uh, and full forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Next one. Yeah. And I, I, so I remember one question that came up was, um, what if, discipline isn't working. Mm-hmm. And I, I said in my talk, and I still believe it, like this is the difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment is just punitive. You're just trying to pay them back for what they did. Discipline is always meant to be corrective. Mm-hmm. And so if your spanking isn't working, then you're, I'm going to just say, I hate to say it like this, but you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Something is off, whether it's the loving affection of the home, whether it's, it's not painful enough whether it's you're doing it in anger, um, the child doesn't understand what's going on. I don't know. Something is off in there, 
and you, you need you need some advice or you need some counsel, so you should reach out to a pastor, and we should walk through it and get and you get some personal counsel for those scenarios, because if if those aspects of discipline that I've talked about in the parenting conference are there, it changes people. Mm-hmm. Like it changes children. Now I know there are there are stubborn, strong willed children. I was one of them, mm-hmm. right? But Still, stubborn, strong-willed children are—they're um, not dumb, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And if you're disciplining them, and you, and it's painful, and it's causing pain to their backside, they're going to change. They're going—it's going yeah. to bring about bring about change. Now, it might—it might take a little longer, you know. It might take a few months, um, where usually it just takes a few hours or a few days. It might take a few months, but it will work if you are consistent, and you don't give up on the process, and you you keep. Uh, obeying God in this, it will work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that kind of goes right into the next question. I mean, basically kind of answered it, but it, the question is, is constant disobedience in a four-year-old a sign that your discipline approach is not working? What do you think? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since this person used the word constant. Yeah. Um, the goal of discipline is changed behavior. And mm-hmm. if, if this child is constantly disobeying and constantly disrupting the garden, the flourishing garden of your home. And, um, they don't appropriately fear you and they don't appropriately fear God. Yes. Um, second part of the question is the end goal, complete obedience is pick your battles, a wise approach. Hmm. So obviously I would say, yes, the end goal is complete obedience. Um, but we also know love covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. So, I, here is when I, I, I want to quote Jordan Peterson again and say, don't let your children do anything that will cause another adult to hate them. Mm-hmm. You are hamstringing your child. If they throw their food on the floor every time they don't want to eat it, mm-hmm. that has to be disciplined because that kind of, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spoiled brat that, that's in your child that wants to destroy your child. This is the dragon. Your child has a sinful self in them that wants to steal, kill, destroy, and ruin them. There's a drunk in your child. There's a drug addict in your child. Mm. There's a rebel in your child. There's there's whatever. There's a self-righteous thing in your child. There is this, this is what original sin is. That's in your child and that must be put to death. That must be disciplined. You, you, the child, we want the child themselves to hate that part of themselves, that mm-hmm. sinful nature. And eventually they're going to cry out for Jesus and Jesus is the only one that can actually redeem them and mm-hmm. give them the, the new self that they need, right? Mm-hmm. But you've got to um, create... So once character is created, character becomes a prison that we can no longer act outside of our own character. Mm-hmm. So a thief and a liar can't be honest. Mm-hmm. Like when they're in a situation that that they would lose face or they they're going to lose something, they're going to naturally lie. They can't tell the truth because that's the type of person they are. Their character has become a prison for them. So all of those acts of disobedience that we see in our children, specifically willful, purposeful obedience, must be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Now, we all get tired and we all get lazy. And so sometimes, and you know your child's frame and Love covers a multitude of sins. So as I brought up in the parenting conference, if you are, and this somebody talked to us about this the next day, if you're flying in 
from vacation and you've got your kids with you on a plane and it's 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and you land and you throw them all in the back of the van and they're complaining and whining and crying. Listen, you know, part of the reason they feel that way is your fault, (laughs) right? Because you, you chose the late flight or you got pushed back or whatever it is, you know, and like children, they can't handle what we can handle. And so we know this when we stay up late to watch, you know, fireworks or when we give our kid a bunch of candy or we, We've done this, and then they start acting up and misbehaving, mm-hmm. and they, they're, mm-hmm. they're grumpy the next day. That's our, some of that's our fault. Right. We can still tell them, beware of the, the, that dragon that's inside. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you need to go to your room. But we, can, we also know, man, this is, this is, some of this is our fault. Mm-hmm. So we give them grace in the moment. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, you've got to discipline your children. So when it comes to, I mean, when it comes to, Willful disobedience, you have got to discipline them mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're you're doing inconsistent discipline. And when it's inconsistent, basically you usually only discipline when it reaches to a level that it actually annoys you. Right. And then your child will realize, oh, she's only disciplining me because she's right. mad. Mm-hmm. Or I got on her last nerve. Right. Or, well, and then you're putting yourself in a dangerous position because you are probably disciplining out of anger mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you've, or frustration. Al- you've allowed that child to push you past your limits instead of just immediately following through. Which is you've lost self-control and now you're disciplining out of law. So like, mm-hmm. so here's the parents, you can't sin, mm-hmm. right? While disciplining your children. If you sin while disciplining your children, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And you can't, and oftentimes we don't discipline out of sin. Mm-hmm. We're tired, we're exhausted, we're being lazy. We, we just want our own comfort in the moment. We don't want to follow God's ways. We want to follow our ways. And we get bad fruit and then the cycle just kind of, you know, continues. Yeah. So yes, you should be disciplining your children um, for all willful disobedience. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, the goal would be perfect obedience, but they're sinners. They're going to continue to disobey. You're going to have to continue to discipline by, I think, you know, far more obedient, joyful days than disobedient struggle days Mm -hmm. would be appropriate to to pray for. And for us, what it usually is is like a day of intensity where we're Mm -hmm. like really focused on everything, and then it's a week a week of joy. Mm-hmm. And and then you like, you start putting up a little, you know, there's a little bit back talk, a little bit, you know, disobe- dis- disobedience. And it's just not outright willful. It's just kind of naggy and just kind of annoying type stuff. And then it builds up. Okay. We gotta, we gotta lay the law down again. We gotta, we gotta focus in again. Yeah. Um, okay. So this other question kind of ties into that too, as far as the pick your battles, approach. Um, they asked if I spanked my two year old every time I asked her to do something and she didn't do it, I would be spanking her all day long. Is that okay to ignore little things that don't really matter? What would you think? Um, I think first of all, you have to have reasonable expectations for the child and the age that they are. Um, and you kind of already mentioned it like you want to set them up for success and like the littles, like 18 months to maybe three, four year olds, like you want to set them up for success and you want to make it easy for them to obey. Mm -hmm. So don't be constantly throwing, you know, roadblocks in front of them. Like don't go out to lunch right at nap time. Don't try to run an errand that's going to cross over with bedtime. You know, that's going to make it extremely difficult for them to obey. And we want to 
help our kids. We want to set them up for success and make it easy for them to obey, especially in those little years. So what expectations are you setting? Like, are you, do you have a, do you have a hundred no-nos around your living room? Like that's going to be really difficult for a two-year-old mm-hmm. to obey all day long when there's, when she's surrounded by temptations. Right. So like for us, we, we took the, we took the dog's bowl, bowls, yes. water bowl and food bowl. We put that on the porch mm-hmm. because Essie could not keep her hands out of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, right. And we were having to discipline him. All right. Okay. This is just too much of a temptation for her mm-hmm. right now. So let, we're going to move this bowl and put it on the porch. Yeah. So it's, so it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And as they get older and they grow in self-control and they grow in the ability to obey, um, then yeah, they can be faced with more temptations like that and they should be able to respond correctly and they should be able to obey. But I think she's referring to like a, a young toddler here. Yeah. So I, yeah, and I would say specifically, you don't have to spank every single time for every single instance. Right. If she's putting her finger in the light socket or something, you yeah. can walk over there and grab her hand and put it down and look her in her face and say, no, no, you can get an owie from that. And you're communicating the seriousness by doing that. And it's not just a spank, right? Right. But then if she continues to do it, then yeah, you've got to, she's got to connect it, mm-hmm. right? That it's, mm-hmm. this is, this could be painful because if I disobey, I, get, I could get electrocuted or burnt or whatever right. the thing right. is. So no, you don't have to walk around just spanking um, nonstop, but you need to let them know that you're serious and, and, and let's just say it's like, a, it's a dog bowl and no, 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 no. And you do, then, then you're going to have to remove her from the environment or remove them from the environment and then remove the thing from the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to take away the temptation. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, so for, for a child that could be, um, you know, food within hands reach mm-hmm. that could be buttons on a TV. I don't, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, for putting, us, it's a dog. Putting a gate on the stairs, you know. Yeah. Putting a gate on the stairs, yep. all that stuff is reducing the temptation for our children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one other thing I wanted to say about that is like when our kids are little, we're training them to obey. We're helping them to understand what it means to be obedient. And you can do that in, in fun ways that aren't just discipline. Like, um, okay, we're going to practice obeying. I want you to jump up and down 10 times. And they're like, yay, good job obeying. You listened to me so well. Now we're going to do this three times and make it something fun so that they can see that they can connect obedience with, re- with yeah, with mm-hmm. reward and with blessing and with, you know, hugs from mom or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do, and that's not just little kids. Um, so one of our teenagers um, may, I can't remember what it was yesterday. Do you remember with Zoe? Uh, the decision about the sleepover? Yes. Oh, that was yeah. today. That was today. Yeah, that was just this morning. <laughs> okay, so we have a no sleepover policy um, at our at the dean home at the dean home because too much stuff happens, um, too much bad stuff happens in other people's homes outside of our uh, purview, and so it's not. So we just have a n- flat no sleepover policy, um, but we've we've granted permission a couple of times mm-hmm. for our oldest, and then uh, I think and uh, um, my daughter. And she had a request to, to, to sleep over. And we were like, I mean, we, you know, we're, we don't like it. We're not comfortable about it. But, um, but I was like, okay, Zoe, are you sure you want to do that? You know, and, and our kids love it being at home too. And so, so, yeah, I want to, I I said, okay, well, I trust you. And we talked about some things and we wanted to make sure that, you know, there's no social media, there's no getting on, you know, you know, unprotected devices or, or Netflix or something without parental controls. You have to be really wise, all this kind of stuff. But 
if you want to, we'll trust you and we'll let you. And then she got up this morning. She's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, I, and I said, Zoe, I'm really proud of you. You made a really wise decision mm -hmm. there and you made yeah. it on your own. And so that's just offering that. Um, we, we laid the scenario out there. It was like, was it a hill we were going to die on? No. And I don't, we don't need to, we're not just saying no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden we're going to send our kid out into, you know, the real world. We want to have those in between years of, hmm, do you think it's wise? Is this right. really something right. you want yeah. to do? And sometimes if a kid thinks that they can't do it, they just want to do it because they can't do it. Right. And then once we said, okay, fine. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can do it. And then she was like, I really don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And she actually said like, there's things that I want to do on Saturday. And I know that if I have a sleepover, I'll be super tired and it's going to ruin my whole day. Yeah. And so that was kind of a, a scenario that one, I just got to encourage her for making a wise decision. I yeah. got to encourage her for her obedience. Like mm -hmm. she's growing in wisdom. This is a really good sign. Yeah. And, and dads and moms specifically, we need to be good at catching all of our kids from toddlers all the way up to, you know, teenagers and doing the right things. So Essie gets compliments every single second of every oh day, just about gosh. like, she's so cute. She does the sweetest stuff. She says, good morning to us. The first thing when she wakes up in the morning, everybody just wants to hug her and kiss her. And, uh, she's just sweet. She comes up and gives hugs and gives kisses. And, and so she gets a lot of affirmation. She gets mm -hmm. a, a lot of love. And as your kids get older, they can be, they be, they don't, and especially as a teenage years, they, they get less agreeable. They get less fun to be around. They're more argumentative because they're trying to figure out who they are and, and they want to push back against truth, not because they don't believe it, but because they want to challenge it to find out if it's real and mm -hmm. find out what, if somebody yeah. challenges me this way, how would I respond? Mm -hmm. And so they push back a lot and they ask questions and they do all this kind of stuff and they're just more emotional and, and overall less fun to be around. But that's when it's even more important to catch them doing the right things. Mm -hmm. And when you see them doing the right things, you're, you're, um, I, the word I want to use is effusive if that's right. But like you want to go over and above pointing it out saying, I'm proud of you. I can tell that the spirit's at work in you. This is evidence of the spirit yep. that you chose not to do that, or you chose to do that, or you said that to that person, or you stayed mm -hmm. out of that argument, or you said that kind word to your sister. Man, that's the evidence of grace in you. I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. thankful. Yeah. And that's, again, uh, encouraging the behavior that you want to see reproduced. Right. Right. Yep. Um, let's see. Okay, there's these next two questions also sort of tie in together, so I'll just read them both together. Um, when you talked about covenant succession at the conference, how does it pertain to families with only one Christian parent, specifically the mother? Can a God-fearing mother have the same expectations of this covenantal fulfillment if her husband is not a believer and not leading their home? Ooh, okay, that's... First off, I just want to acknowledge past, pastorally that that's just a really difficult situation and um it's just really sad right mm -hmm. that's a really sad situation one if the person came to faith after getting married i'm thankful that god saved them and first peter talks about things that a believing wife can do for an unbelieving husband that could potentially lead them to christ and being um, a submissive wife being kind being benevolent um praying there there and and then it says specifically that your children are set apart as holy mm -hmm. because you're a Christian. Your children are set apart as holy. So that means I, I would say that means that there is something you should expect uh, to be different in your children. Now it's going to be very difficult 
And I would say it's going to be more important for you to push Christian education because you want your husband, and and this is going to kind of sound harsh, you want your husband to be the odd man out. So you want to, you are a Christian and you want your children to be Christian and you want their environment to be Christian and you want dad to be the weird man, the weird one. Mm. Okay. Dad's the outsider here. Dad's the one who doesn't want to believe. Mm. If you are the only, if you're the believer and then you send your children to public school and they're surrounded primarily by people that are by unbelievers and their father is an unbeliever, they're going to hear their father's worldview being taught all day long. Mm -hmm. So now who's the weirdo? Mom's the weirdo. Mom's the weirdo. Mm-hmm. And this is why statistics say 75 to 90% if if a if a um if a hold on me if a man comes to faith 75 to 90% of the time his whole family will come to faith mm-hmm. and, and and join and join the yeah. church. And if a woman comes to faith it's between 10 and 25%. Wow. I I, I don't know why other than the fact that God made men to be the leaders of their home. Mm-hmm. And the, the um, what does the proverb say? The proverb says, the glory of children is their father. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. The glory of children is their father. Um, and so there's something about a father's role in the leadership of his home that he tends to steer it in the direction that it's, that it's going to go. Um, now you can counter that again with, I would say a good Christian church and a good Christian community, mm-hmm. um, and leaning into the Lord and, and prayer, but you're going to have to be, um, you're going to have to be a- more active, uh, in the discipleship of your children. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The next question really ties into that, but, uh, it's on single parenting, specifically a mother raising boys, um, having to play both roles how to discipline and how do I raise them not to be weak men when there's no example of godly manhood in the home? Wow, man, it just grieves me. Um, I would say a couple things. Keep it up. Your labor is not in vain. Um, Trust the Lord, pray, keep disciplining. And you've got to do it young because once they're teenagers, you can't really, you're going to be out of control. Because if they wanted to, they could push you out of the way and get out of the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a sense yeah. where um, the reason a mom can discipline a teenager well is because the looming shadow of the father is behind her, right? Mm-hmm. And right. he knows if I did anything, put a hand on her or anything like that, dad's got me. Mm-hmm. So if dad's not there, I mean, it's just a statistic reality that in fatherless homes, you know, the the, the, the children grow up far more likely to go to prison, far more likely to, to, to fail out of school, far more likely to get addicted to drugs and get into all kinds of dangerous behaviors. Okay. The father's the one that, that is meant to discipline that, um, that chaos, let's just say mm-hmm. that rebellion out of, out of the, the boy. So do your best prayerfully. And then you need to get some God fearing men in this boy's life. Yeah. Whether that's through youth ministry through the church, through missional community, through coaches. Um, he needs strong male leadership. Mm-hmm. So you need to encourage him into athletics, into some um, some kind of discipline 
sport or discipline, uh, pastime or, uh, you know, I don't even know, playing the guitar, something that where this kid is going to have some man in his life who's active and who's disciplined and is teaching him discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're going to have to, you know, get, get guys like that in his yeah. life. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to be super proactive about seeking out, you know, either college age guys or maybe families at the church that have other boys that, that you know, that your son or your boys or whatever can can be a part of that and see what uh, a godly man yeah. looks like. And listen, I share those statistics and I, you know, not because I want to, you know, make you feel despair or like there's no hope. There is hope. There's definitely hope. But I want you to know it's going to take constant vigilance, constant prayer. You're going to have to be very active. I want you to realize how how um, intense the battle is, right? The battle is intense over over um, your, your your young boys mm-hmm. and over over their soul, yeah. right? And so you've we've got to be proactive to get them the help that mm-hmm. they need. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How's the time? Been about forty eight minutes. Do you want to do one more? Or yeah, one? go ahead. Okay. Um. Okay, how do you teach your child how to understand their emotions and control them? Is in the moment the right time for that? Okay, so we've already talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have to teach our child children to name their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so naming it is is one. While you're watching TV, you can or shows or movies or reading books, that's where you're teaching your children how to respond negatively and positively to emotions. Why did they act that way? What do you think caused them to do that? Mm-hmm. Is, did, they, did they react the right way? How should they have act, acted? What type of character are they? Mm-hmm. What type of character do you want to be? These kinds of questions gives our children language to decipher what's going on in their own soul. That sounds like jealousy. Mm-hmm. That sounds like envy. That looks like laziness. That looks like fear. Mm-hmm. That looks like anger, yeah. right? So we need to we need to teach our children how to um, identify what's going on in their own soul. Yeah. And yes, in the moment, it is totally okay to say you need to get control of yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you need to go to the bathroom for a minute, mm-hmm. or stop right now. Now listen, again, I, I'm painting with a broad brush here. You can't do that with a four year old. Right. You, you can't do that with a four-year-old. A four-year-old, you're probably going to have to pick up and move them to a different environment, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, talk them down or give them a, whatever, I, you know what I mean? What, how, what would you say to a four-year-old? Yeah, I mean, I think that I would just ask some questions, like, or maybe acknowledge the emotion that's happening. Like, I know you're really angry right now, but being angry is not the most important thing right now. Mm-hmm. Like obedience is the most important thing. Your sister who you're angry at is much more important than the way that you feel yes, right now. Yeah. Pointing out how the child is feeling, but also what's what's more important than we that. We want their emotions to kneel to King Jesus. Mm-hmm. Your emotions are not the center of this house. Right. Your emotions, you don't because you feel that way, you don't have the right to speak to your sister that way. You don't have the right to throw that temper tantrum. This house is not going to revolve on around your emotions. This house revolves around King Jesus. Mm-hmm. So your emotions have to bow to King Jesus. Now, as you said that, it brought up one of parents, one of the things that we can do, and I'm especially guilty of this, is I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Everybody get in the car. <laughs> and and then I'm like, what are, what are you doing? Instead of, hey, guys, we're leaving in five minutes. Mm-hmm. We're leaving in five minutes. Get your shoes on. Get your coats on. 
get ready to go in the, and, and then let the kids run around, do what they have to do, get their stuff on and then mm-hmm. get there. Because I sit around in my boots or whatever. I sit around ready right. to go. And then when I'm ready to go, I'm like, all right, I'm right, let's, I just want to get up and say, let's go. And then I get upset because it takes five minutes to get everybody in the car and they can't find their coat and they can't find their wallet mm-hmm. and they can't find all their stuff. That's on me. It's a much wiser as a parent to give them the five minute warning, whether it comes for, uh, here's another example. When it comes to dinner, mm-hmm. give them the five minute warning. Yeah. If they're playing a video game or they're doing something like that, don't just go, kids, get over here right now. You know, yeah. give them the five minute warning where they can finish a game or almost finish a game or know it's coming before you actually demand obedience. Mm-hmm. Right? It just helps them have a good attitude, helps them prepare for the, the future obedience that's going to be required of them. Um, and then if they disobey, you said, I told you five minutes ago, be ready in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, I think that's just about all the questions. A lot of them kind of blurred together and you answered two at once. But then just um, somebody asked for a favorite Christian living or parenting uh, mothering, fathering books, book recommendations. Um, so I wrote down a few here. I'm sure you have some to add to it. Just some of my favorites. Um, Loving the Little Years by Rachel Jankovic. And then Glory in the Ordinary, Why Your Work in the Home Matters to God by Courtney Resig, I think. So those are both good, like little kid, like little years types of books. Um, maybe you're new, you're a newer stay-at-home mom. You've just recently left your job trying to find, you know, why, why does what I'm doing in my home all day long actually matter? Um, and then also just walking through baby, toddler, preschool, little years with your kids. Um, a couple of good ones for teens, uh, Disciplines of a Godly Young Man by Kent Hughes. And then the Lies series, there's one called Lies Girls Believe. There's one Lies Young Women Believe. Um... And those have like mom workbooks that go along with them. And they really are, they're very um, relevant as far as lies that, that teenagers and preteens are believing right now as far as their identity and social media and boys and all of that. So um, I, uh, and then Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp and Parenting by, is that also by Tripp? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. One yes. of the trips, I can't remember. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, I gave my, Three at the conference. I can't remember off, off to my head. One is Standing on the Promises by Doug Wilson. The other one is Bringing the Gospel to Covenant Children by Joel Beek. And the third one, I cannot remember off the top of my head what I what I had, but I had it at the conference. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for your questions. Hopefully, we answered some of them for you. And again, if you have any more, you can go ahead and email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com and we would love to answer them. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Talk to you soon.